Hello, welcome everybody to the Trickle Up Politics podcast. I'm Levon Dunn, joined here by Sean Soth. Say hello, Sean. Hello. <laughs> um, it is the new year. It is 2021, and this is our first show of 2021. So we've been doing this show for uh, two two consecutive years now. <laughs> nice. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> we really nailed it. Nailed it there. Nailed it there. Uh, we have 16 days till inauguration day. Uh, crazy stuff happened with Trump today. Um, and as of right now, four, 4.2 million people in the United States have been vaccinated with the coronavirus vaccination. Um, but our discussion today is a loaded one. Um, it surrounds the drug war. Um like any war, there are points of study and specific topics to look at. Also, just like any war, there are politics that lead to policies that result in overall human and societal toll. This war plays out on a domestic and foreign front with most of the most mostly disenfranchised people falling victim to it and have been seen and have been seen the ones contributing to the problem, even though they have no power at all. Well, upper class, the ones with real power, toss out a smokescreen and benefit and are rich from the carnage. With myself having a degree in human services and Sean having a degree in sociology, um, with both of us having studied political science um, and currently working in the field of behavioral and community health, specializing in substance use disorder treatment, otherwise known as addiction treatment, we are certainly, certainly familiar with the issue and how it impacts the population we serve but it's not necessarily discussed on a broad scale. Many people may not be aware of just how this issue can affect them and their communities. This subject will likely take a few episodes um, to cover because of the, de of the depth of it. And even then it probably won't be fully covered because it's quite, uh, quite the depth. Um, so Sean, first off, how was your new year? Uh, new, new Year's was fine. We, yeah. uh, we stayed home. I think that's kind of the, the way of the new world. And uh, we watched the ball drop at, at nine o'clock our time uh, and then said good night. <laughs> so <laughs> the, day the day after New Year's, we, uh, we took a trip up into the mountains, uh, <laughs> played in the snow. So it was pretty good. good. How about yours, man? Good. It went well. Same thing. Just, just stayed at home with my wife and uh, watched the uh, kind of cool... Uh, space needle uh um display without the fireworks just that light show is kind of cool um but anyway <laughs> transitioning back to the topic something that isn't so simple um what are your opening thoughts on this sean and today what what specifically are we going to take a look at since this is quite uh a broad stroke yeah, this really is a huge topic, and and I think I think you talked a lot to the the depth of it. Um, I, I thought it was quite hilarious. I don't know if you intended it or not to say that this was a loaded topic, um, but very nice there. Um, and to to get back to to my real thoughts here, it's um, this topic really I think is. Um, something that covers everything that we want to talk about on this podcast from um, how underrepresented groups are impacted, how resources are distributed, how, uh, how those in power manipulate the system uh, to remain in power. I think all of that is really at play uh, within the dynamic that we're talking about around the drug war. And so uh, for me, that's why I think this is a, a really great topic for, for us to, to focus early on in the podcast about. It's also timely. Uh, there's a lot going on in our modern society that I think uh, will, will bring us back um, to some of these topics in a really poignant way uh, that are salient. People can see them. Uh, from homelessness uh, to um, the dis disparities and in, in the wealth gap, all of those kind of things will will come up in this conversation. So, 
today, uh, I think we're really going to focus on some of the history, right? Um, mm-hmm. How did we go from a country um, that was really based on kind of this uh, cowboy mentality of uh, we're getting away from a, a, a king that tells us what to do or a monarch that tells us what to do, um, creating freedom for all. Uh, how did we get to a society that uh, was fighting the drug war uh, and really creating a criminal legal system based on this very issue? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, when we talk about uh, the criminal legal industrial complex, um, we're really talking about the drug war. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the criminal mm-hmm. legal system is based in and the wealth that's generated within that system is based in the drug war. So I think looking at that history and then coming to today uh, and looking at um, a family like uh, the Sacklers and uh, how they are uh, the the drug lords of the new world, uh, I think those are really interesting topics. The ones who throw out the spoke screen. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, um, that sounds, uh, yeah, sounds like we have a lot of history to cover with this topic. And, um, and yeah, uh, one that, like I said, you know, is, it's not, it's obviously not a conventional war, but um, there is carnage, there are people that that have died um, over, um, over the years of these, because of these policies. And, um, and really, I don't know if you could quantify it into into something. How, how many lives lost, how much, you know, what are the damages that are, that incurred, I would assume maybe a total more than, than a, than a conventional sort of war. Um, yeah. I, I would think that we've lost more to this war than we've lost in, in any war that we've ever had. Mm-hmm. And you, you say it's not a conventional war and I definitely understand what you mean from a technical mm-hmm. standpoint. Uh, we didn't, you know, uh, bring out the Marines, <laughs> but when we look at modern day policing and how militarized mm-hmm. our modern day policing is and, and the issues that we're having with our modern day policing because mm-hmm. of the militarization of our police forces, that is a drink to the war on, on drugs and this idea that we are going to war. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. so where, where I agree with you, uh, we haven't technically gone to to war. I, I really do think that we militarized our uh, domestic police forces mm-hmm. uh, and haven't haven't forced martial law in in, in a lot of senses. Mm-hmm. And again, kind of um, kind of goes back to the smokescreen analogy as well. With um, you know, it's that the the cloak that's uh, thrown over it saying you know and and that really the um the changing of minds that that these you know people are against you the people these people are in your neighborhood they're in your communities you they should be demonized and they're against you you know it's the whole uh divide and conquer um so why don't we uh start where where it all began Yeah, you know, I think you can go a long ways back, obviously, and and really start um, to have conversations about, you know, uh, Harry Anslinger. I think that's how we pronounce his last name. Somebody Mm -hmm. will probably correct us, right? (laughs) Um, Lost the internet, so yes. Yes, exactly. So, um, you know, he was he was kind of enlisted to to start this fight uh, back in the early 1900s. Um, you could go as far back as the, the Harrison Act, um, which is arguably, in my opinion, 1914, uh, the Harrison Act was, was put in place. And, and this was really um, when we started to create a, a legal system around or a criminal legal system around uh different types of drugs and and this is where we get the classes of drugs and kind of determining Mm -hmm. where uh what 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 drug is actually worth uh something from a medical standpoint and what's not and and the risks that they pose um which which is not a horrible system except for the fact that we 
then move forward and end up putting marijuana um, in, in a class of drugs that says that it's uh, highly likely to to be an addictive substance, which I, I think we all know um, marijuana is just not a, a highly addictive sus- substance. Not to say that mm-hmm. it's not addictive, but it's not highly mm-hmm. addictive. And, and there's real medical use for it. And we're seeing more and more of that today. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, psychedelics are another one uh, that we could throw in there uh, mm-hmm. that were classified as uh, in that same class saying that they're highly addictive substance when there's no evidence whatsoever mm-hmm. <laughs> that psychedelics are addictive, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's no evidence out there. Um, so I think that's a that's the first place where we start to see that we are classifying drugs not because of the actual property of the drug but because of assumptions made Mm -hmm. about the drug and those who use it Mm -hmm. right and up until the harrison act man you could you could buy your works and cocaine directly from sears roebuck and company (laughs) from a catalog and they deliver to your door Mm-hmm. right you could you could mm-hmm. go down and get a tincture at the i don't know if that's how you actually say that word uh but you could go down to your local pharmacy or drugstore uh and get yourself some caffeine with morphine in it or a little heroin like yeah. it, uh, so yeah and i think the big one is the way the cocaine in coca-cola too that i think a lot of people uh, reference that and, right yeah yeah, and when we start to see these these laws uh, get enacted, I, I, I think it's important for us to have the conversation around who was pushing for them and, and what was the purpose um, or kind of the idea behind them. And, and I think marijuana is a, a good one uh, for us to look at because um, it, you know, starting in the late 30s, um, we started seeing more and more laws focused on uh, outlying uh, the use of marijuana and the possession of marijuana, the cultivation of marijuana. Up until that point, hemp was one of the largest crops in the United States. Many of our forefathers uh, were growing hemp at that time. And, and you know, I, I think one thing we have to realize as well is back in the day, what people were smoking is not what people are smoking today, right? Mm -hmm. What George Washington was growing would have gotten you high, but it had probably 30 to 60% less active THC um, involved in it. And most of what was being used was the actual fiber of the plant, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Our constitution is literally written on hemp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're deforesting at a huge rate. Yeah. And, and yet hemp was outlawed um, simply because of the fact that it could be used as a fiber. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like uh, in that, in that process, then uh, um, there was that effect that it had on, on, minority communities like uh like we talked about before with uh hispanic communities and um and how they would be demonized uh in order to to have the public be turned against so something so it's like the whole like i kind of said the divide and conquer right you pin something um against a certain population and therefore okay that's bad so if that's associated with that I'm not going to go, you know, go anywhere near that. Um, so that's essentially, I, I, I see what you're saying. See what you're saying there is that, um, that the uh, paper industry or the lumber industry needed that to happen in order to push their narrative. Yeah, absolutely. I forget the name of the, the newspaper man in San Francisco. Uh, his name's escaping me at the moment. Um, that had a, a huge hand in uh, crafting a lot of the messaging around um, kind of 
the impact of marijuana on on Mexicans and mm-hmm. and creating this narrative that um, that Mexicans who used marijuana went crazy. This was really kind of the start of the the reefer madness mm-hmm. uh, concept. Um, mm-hmm. But he he really kind of built that image out in his papers um, as just this horrible rapist mentality right and it lives on today i mean the same image is what trump came down his fucking gold escalator um to pitch to the to the world Uh, i mean it's the same image of these you know crazed rapists and criminals um Mm -hmm. and, and that was really the image um that was that was forged at that time uh, around Mexicans and marijuana. And that, that's really where the push was uh, to criminalize uh, that. And and it, it sure looks as if, when you look at the history of it, um, there, was, there was a financial incentive mm-hmm. for that decision to be made, mm-hmm. um, which it, just, it, it's, it's so crazy to think how far we've come where... Uh, you know, millions. We we have more people in jail than any other industrialized nation, any other nation, right? Mm-hmm. Any other nation in the world. We we have more people locked up, and this is why, mm-hmm. right? Over over fucking marijuana. Mm-hmm. Uh, get all of those folks out who have drug crimes, uh, and that that's no longer true. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, the the impact. Uh, is is that great Mm -hmm. and then yeah like as you were kind of highlighting earlier is that uh, the prison industrial complex uh, feeds you know directly into the into this drug war and the drug war um, is the result of of those policies of private prisons of of uh, the prison industrial complex and and prison labor but (laughs) maybe another subject here uh, soon right to talk about but yeah, it, it's really the, it needs to be part of this conversation, Levon, because mm-hmm. you're, you're absolutely right that the the prison industrial complex is built off of the drug war, uh, which is once again, built off minority communities or underrepresented communities. Um, and we we then profit from the, the legal system uh, that is unjust. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, is not equitable. And so we have more black and brown men in prison um, disproportionately, highly disproportionately to their white counterparts. Uh, and, you know, when you watch 13th, which everyone should watch 13th, the documentary, um, and really dig into kind of this new Jim Crow uh focus this is the new jim crow right we Mm -hmm. we still have slavery in this country and it is based in the prison industrial system which is based in the criminal legal system which is completely built around our war on drugs which is a war on black and brown Mm -hmm. men do others fall in there of course they do Mm -hmm. but when we look at this disproportionate Mm -hmm. reality uh, for black and brown men, that that is the reality of what has been created, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a it's a money pipeline mm-hmm. for the rich, right? Plain and simple. And there's that school to prison pipeline, with, that is you know, with uh, with the drug war right as the uh, you know with the uh, right there in the background, <laughs> or the foreground, I should say, um, being the overarching theme of it. Um, so why don't we, uh, look a little bit more into the history here, um, and how maybe this really picked up steam in the, in the 1960s, 1970s, 80s in particular. (laughs) Um, why don't we uh, take a little, little dive into that? Yeah, you know, I think you can't talk about the war on drugs without talking about Nixon, right? Um, and I know, I know that you 
uh, are going to challenge us all when it comes to, to looking at some history around Nixon. <laughs> uh, but definitely on this topic, we, we can blame the war on drugs on Nixon and on his policies of um, law and order, right? He, he was the law and order president and uh, he created a narrative uh, that lived on. Uh, and I mean, that narrative is, is still happening today right? 50% of this country, not quite, uh, thank God, but damn near 50% of this country voted for a man because he labeled himself the law and order president, right? And, and I'm talking about Trump, obviously. Um, but uh, so this, this image and this idea lives on today uh, around law and order. And, and, you know, that was Nixon uh, to a T. Um, now, I, I can't totally diss on Nixon because at, at the time that he is railing against drug use, uh, railing against hippies and uh, kind of this attitude of uh, peace, love, and happiness that were uh, to him uh, just evil incarnate. During that time, he, he also created the laws that allow us to have methadone clinics, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think Nixon, Nixon is really, I know you feel this way, and I, I think it's true. He, I don't know where to fall on Nixon because uh, he did some really horrible stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, he had some wherewithal to recognize that what what he was creating had to have some kind of outlet. Um, otherwise, we were going to end up where we ended up. Now, people didn't heed his warnings, uh, and we didn't make treatment accessible enough, uh, and we didn't we didn't look at how to get individuals out of the system. Uh, instead, mm-hmm. we pushed people into the system. Uh, but he at least had that recognition. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, you're so, certainly right about Nixon. He's a mixed bag. And, you know, um, like you were saying, you know, uh, really got things going with method MNTP or methadone treatment. Um, but then, like you're saying, you know, it's like this, this aura of this strong man, you know, that dictator, you know. So there's that mixed bag there. And, but then there's like, you know, that, you know, we could do it again. That's another subject. <laughs> we could do a whole background of, of, of Richard Nixon and, and, and who he was and, and his, uh, his legacy there. Um, but specifically to this topic, I'm, you know, um, like you were saying, it's it, once again, there's a good, good, um, good example of him being a mixed bag. And unfortunately though, I, I would you say that his policies uh, surrounding this led to what what we had in the 1980s with Ronald Reagan, Nancy Reagan. Uh, yeah, you know, I I think <laughs> when when you look at Nixon, I, I think what he did was increase funding uh, to drug control agencies like the DEA. He pushed for mandatory prison sentencing um, mm. as part of that uh, and other drug crimes. So I. You know, I, I think those things, when when we look back, those are his legacy. And, and Reagan definitely then um, followed up Nixon in a really strong way. He, he took on the drug war language. Uh, you know, Carter, Carter really was seen as kind of soft on crime and soft on drugs. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I think that, the, you know, that that can that void that was created by Carter in a time where, where you really had uh, the same kind of uh, extremism that we have today, mm-hmm. right? That, that was a, a time in American history where um, we all see kind of the, the history of the civil rights movement as being uh, kind of an American value and, um, but at the time, that was really there was two opposite sides, just like today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I think that void, uh, Carter, people saw as as that liberal 
individual. And then Reagan coming in uh, really came back to this idea of we're going to be hard on crime and pushed that narrative um, loudly. Um, and Nancy Reagan with her just say no, we had mm-hmm. dare, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, anybody uh, born before <laughs> what, probably 1995 is going to be uh, quite familiar with that. <laughs> so what, what's dare stand for there, Levon? See, you know what? That's so funny. You challenged me on that right there. I, I do not remember. Drug abuse resistance education. Mm-hmm. Yes. Isn't that funny that it doesn't stick after all these years? And do you remember the definition of a drug per the D.A.R.E. platform? No. See, when I was a kid, if you ran into the D.A.R.E. officer Mm -hmm. in public and you could tell him the definition of a drug, you would get a free Dairy Queen ice cream. (laughs) And so to this day, I remember that the definition of a drug per D.A.R.E was any substance other than food and water that affects the way your mind and body works. So Nancy Reagan with our uh, <laughs> drug education czar <laughs> yes. of the time. But it's just but hey, so, it stuck, right? Yeah, it stuck with you. And it's just so interesting. It didn't, you know, with me. Only because I'm a fat guy that was offered ice cream. I'm just saying. <laughs> Sorry. There's going to be things that are going to be cut. <laughs> you don't necessarily have to cut everything. <laughs> All right, we're going to be we're uncut. We're uh, we're un- unedited, unedited yes. after dark. <laughs> there you go. Um. So. Yeah. So it's just so interesting though that that there is probably also that mixed bag there. Like people like remember to a T, and others that are. I don't rem- I don't know. I don't know because <laughs> first of all, maybe it wasn't as um, overarching at the time. Maybe um, because uh, you know, I went through school in the you know elementary school in the midnight you know mid nineties, late nineties. So maybe those efforts starting were starting to fade away, as they should have been very early on anyway. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, so we have, yeah, we recounting things. So in Reagan, it's Reagan himself is another that, that we could do a whole entire profile on um, and a whole entire episode in, in, within that as well. But yeah, you, you know, I'm, I'm going to say for the record that I think that Reagan is one of the most uh, destructive modern mm-hmm. presidents. Um, his economic policies were racist. Mm-hmm. His drug policies were racist. His housing policies were racist. Um, he, he, in my opinion, is, was a very well-polished uh, man that really captivated that John Wayne-esque element of, um, of the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was extremely detrimental to our country. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, Trump is Reagan. Mm-hmm. He's more extreme. He's more mm-hmm. brash. He's not as intelligent as mm-hmm. Reagan. Right. But Trump is the same man. And Nixon was the same man in a lot of respects as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were seen as kind of the, the quintessential American right loud bombastic individualized rugged um and and so uh, that image has lasted uh as an american image for a long time and what's scary is is that image comes with at least historically in my opinion these ideas uh, especially getting back to the point here around drug laws, a real focus on mandatory minimums, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and um, increased uh, penalties, right? Increased fines. And I think what people don't understand is, you know, even early on, 
and before we labeled this a drug war, fines were a really good way for us to ensure that poor people ended up in jail. Because mm -hmm. if you couldn't pay your fine, you ended up mm -hmm. in jail. Uh, and so even before we criminalized a lot of drugs, um, just by creating penalties around possession and those kind of things, right? Kind of like a kind of like a speeding ticket nowadays. Right. Um, you could still end up in jail. Mm -hmm. um, and and those those penalties have been pervasive in our system. What, one of the things that ends up impacting a lot of the people who get into the system nowadays is still the financial burden of this process, right? Having to pay the criminal uh, fees, the, the cost of going to court, um, and, and all of those kind of things, which add up. Uh, and, and then people end up not being able to pay fines. So then mm -hmm. they have to go and serve time for that. Mm -hmm. um, or they can't pay for their probation because yes, you have to pay for your own fucking mm -hmm. probation, uh, mm -hmm. at least in most states. And, and so if you can't afford that, guess what happens, right? It, it's just this never ending cycle. And so, uh, but those things seem to come from yeah. uh, kind of that, that attitude of rugged individualism. It is kicking down the ladder as well. So you climb the ladder, you kick down, kick it down. And so ensure that nobody else could get, get up there and, and, and uh, be competitive with you as well. So it's in a sense, you know, uh, it's the opposite of rugged individual it's, it's rugged individual. Um, F you all. Um <laughs> Um, and this is so, you know, like you were saying, what we were saying about Reagan is, um, is, you know, he, he, his son would say, um, whenever he challenged him on something, he would say, I don't know any, you know, with his hands, I don't know anything about that. Um, all I know is, and so it's, it's just like what we see today with a lot of people, especially with, um, in, in the war on drugs in the, um, in this, uh, in this subject as well um all i know is they are bad people i don't know anything else. you know it, it just reverberated uh mm -hmm. into, into these policies and into our social attitude unfortunately and like you're saying you know um hopefully you know we're seeing signs of change here but uh that is still around that you know attitude is still around <laughs> yeah we're always uh in in this act of othering uh for sure and mm -hmm. and this has been an area that I, I think those with power have done a really effective job of creating um situations where people just don't or are unwilling to see um that someone's drug use really doesn't have the impact on them um, that it's being sold as. And, and what's scary is even in the eighties when Reagan uh, and Bush and Clinton, uh, mm -hmm. let's be honest, uh, were pushing these policies for mandatory minimums and uh, you know, creating, creating these injustices around, you know, cocaine and crack um, uh, where you're talking about five, five grams of uh, crack triggers the same sentence as 500 grams of cocaine. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, mm -hmm. and who's using crack and who's using cocaine. And you know, the ignorance, I, I think that's what you're talking to mm -hmm. is this, this idea of willful ignorance. I'm, mm -hmm. I don't want to know how that impacts others. I just mm -hmm. care about how it impacts me. Mm -hmm. And that attitude, uh, I think, is pervasive in American society, and it is definitely pervasive around our drug laws um, because white people haven't had to deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, and once white people did have to start to deal with it, which is only recently, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden we started to talk about it. Yeah. Right? All of a sudden, you know, little friggin' Bradley yep. gets injured playing football and gets put on Oxycontin and has a problem, thanks Sackler family, 
okay, mm-hmm. now we want to talk about this, right? Mm-hmm. But before it was Bradley, right? Then we didn't care. Right. Yeah. Bradley seems like a pretty good like white boy name, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. Especially small town, because that's that's really where you know the opiate epidemic really was uh was big, was those, you know, or is um is those smaller or mid-sized mostly white towns. Um in the you know, especially in the mid two thousands. Um so yeah, um so yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Once it starts affecting, you know the um, the white population, especially as a, you know, especially as a as a, sen- a white senator's uh, you know daughter dies from overdose. Oh, here we go. You know this is now now it's uh, now it affects me. So so yes, now we have to do something about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I think this just has played out. Uh, in our history so many times where um, it's just not talked about, it's not thought about, it's not cared about um, mm-hmm. and until mm-hmm. the the majority population mm-hmm. uh, is impacted by it. And, we, you know, this is why we have to start having conversations around how does it impact the most marginalized people, mm-hmm. right? That's the conversation we should be having before making any decision. Because you know what? If it has a positive impact on the most marginalized population, then it sure as hell is going to have a positive impact on me as uh, a middle-class white guy, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's going to have a positive impact on me. And, and that's what we have to start having a conversation about. But these policies, and I think you've spoken to this already, Yvonne, these policies have done a really good job uh, of pitting people against each other, right, on issues that are not relevant. So someone else's drug use is not relevant to to your life for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. The likelihood that they're actually going to steal from you is really low. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... And even lower if we're offering services that they need, Mm -hmm. right? If we are offering them opportunities to get the things that they need to deal with an addiction, which we don't do. Mm -hmm. So we can even reduce that impact more by offering more services. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But this, the impact of these things, right? Um, And the picture of, you know, the crazy Mexican on marijuana or the insane black guy on crack, right? Mm-hmm. Because those are the images painted. All that's doing is ensuring that marginalized people and poor people, the majority of whom are white, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes, disproportionately black and brown, but the majority of poor people are actually white. Like mm-hmm. poor people are still the majority right. white. And, yeah. and but what we do is create an opportunity where we we don't we don't look at the struggle of the people right next to us, mm-hmm. right? Because they have been separated from us. They are different than us. They're the crazy crackhead, or they're the crazy pothead, or you name it, right? They're the they're the gay guy down the street that mm-hmm. uh, is going to molest your children or whatever, right? Like we create all these storylines to ensure that we don't band together mm-hmm. as as a group where the where the true problem is the economic impact, right? That that's the true problem that we have to address is economic inequality. But we ensure that we're not going to talk about that because I don't like you because of these other little stupid things that don't impact my life, but we've been told have this huge impact on our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, again, like I said, it's quite the, uh, quite the um, in-depth uh, topic, the, uh, the drug war as it's reverberated throughout all society and all that we, all that we, you know, all that society perceives as well um, as threats and and that's the thing is I, I think that when it, when we talk about like why why we name this uh, trickle up politics you know um, kind of going back to that question 
Um, how would you say, I kind of like to do this thought exercise here. How would you say drug, the issues of the drug war um, relate to that, uh, that, that theme? A trickle up politics, how it fits in with that. Yeah, I think, I, I think a lot of what I just spoke to, honestly, mm-hmm. um, is it, it's used as a divide. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that's true of most of what we're going to talk about, right? When it comes to these kind of identity politics, um, mm-hmm. and and even drug use, in a way, has become uh, an an identity issue, right? Um, uh, for for those who have kind of a, a harm reduction approach. Um, drug use is not seen as this horrible thing and individuals who use drugs um, are just that individuals using using drugs that that doesn't define them uh, and and so I think when it comes to this concept of trickle up politics we we have to recognize the impact on the most marginalized people. I, I feel like I'm repeating myself and, and answering your question here, um, but I can't get away from that as kind right. of the idea. So maybe clarifying your question a little bit for me, uh, because I, I really think that that's the answer here is mm-hmm. we we have to de- decriminalize drug use. Right? So so, by, by doing so, um, we we impact those most marginalized at the bottom of of the socioeconomic ladder, and that will benefit all of us. Mm-hmm. And it goes into the theme of putting uh, the investment into the working class, into the poor class, will help grow a better society in the end. Yeah. So great, great discussion today. Um, I know that we wanted to get into talking about the Sackler family. Um, you know, I, I think in terms of this trickle up economic yeah. idea, right? The, the Sacklers are a family at the, at the top of the economic pyramid. But mm. what really, what really angers me is if I bring up Pablo Escobar, mm. or if I bring up uh, El Chapo, what, what do you think of? Well, yeah, you, th- you think the, uh, the racist tropes, right? The, uh, oh, the bad man, the, uh, oh, he's coming to get you, you know, don't let, you know, don't let him get you the boogeyman, right? Yeah. They're the boogeyman. <laughs> they're these, they're, they're these just evil, evil people that, um, uh, we have to arrest and we have to, we have to throw behind bars and we have to strip them of, of everything that they made and earned. And I'm not saying that all of that isn't deserved because both of them are really um, just awful human beings. Mm-hmm. But if we then bring up the Sackler family, mm-hmm. what, what do we think about? You think you're thinking uh, what uh, mansion um, millions of dollars, successful white. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we don't hear cries to bankrupt them and to throw them in prison, even though they killed tens of thousands of people, Mm -hmm. right? Their Mm -hmm. actions directly led to it. And criminal case after criminal case has already shown that. And somehow because they have a limited liability corporation or something to protect them, we don't get the same justice. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's what I want to talk about next time is great. Why, why do we allow for that to happen in this country? And how is that a reflection of this very issue we're talking about, right? Of mm-hmm. this uh, divide uh, between the haves and the have nots, uh, the poor and the rich, uh, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that will kind of be our uh, structure next time is t- talking about them. And, and it's, I think we kind of wanted to talk about um, next time as well, if we're able to get to it, because that actually sounds like a whole nother um, a deep dive as well. 
Um, so we'll see where, where we end up at and, and uh, kind of just go from there. Uh, but we were going to talk a little bit about like, you know, treatment and, and that sort of thing. And, and the, uh, societal's uh society's uh outlook on treatment that sort of thing for for drugs for drug use um but yeah we'll see we'll, where we end up on that uh otherwise it's riveting and it's good discussion so i think it'd be kind of cool to go over what um what our last week was like um was there any interesting articles or are you reading a book or you, did you watch something that sort of thing and, and what the uh what you plan on for the next week. So Sean, why don't we, why don't we start with you? You know, I've, I've been on vacation, so I've been avoiding the world a little bit here the last week. Um, I watched some interesting documentaries on serial killers, but I won't go into that. That's a whole different podcast, <laughs> I believe. Yes. Or millions of them. There are millions uh, of them. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, uh, what I'll speak to is uh, I think what has stood out to me the most actually uh, is something that popped up today. Uh, and that was uh, the the fact that the Washington Post had uh, obtained some tape of Donald Trump uh, speaking mm. to the Secretary of State for Georgia mm. uh, and literally requesting him to to commit election fraud. Uh, as he's crying about how much election fraud there is. Um, and so, you know, it, it just really sticks out as, uh, as a prime example of, of what a complete and utter horrible human being uh, Trump is and, and how just blatant he is in his willingness uh, to subvert democracy uh, and commit treason. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is not the first time that I think this man has committed treason. Uh, and I truly think that it's treason what he's what he's asking the Secretary of State mm -hmm. to do um, willfully, willfully uh, disregarding the democratic process is treason. There is nothing more of value uh, to us as Americans mm -hmm. than the democratic process. And he is simply saying, fuck you uh to the american people uh and and so to me that is uh, a treasonous act well certainly it wasn't the first time and it certainly won't be the last over these next 16 days um unfortunately <laughs> um so yeah so what do you what do you have planned over the next week as far as uh anything that you, anything to read anything to get to um besides uh, getting ready for our next show <laughs> Uh, for me, it's just getting back into work. Uh, so I, I know going back to the workplace after two weeks or almost two weeks out of the office means uh, at least 300 email to sort through uh, and plenty of personnel issues. I'm, sh I'm sure of it. So uh, that's my next week. Uh, and uh, in terms of preparation for this, uh, I'll continue to kind of look at some of the, the past things uh, for me that I uh, have studied and, and read uh, related to some of these issues, especially around the Sackler family, because I have a real, uh, a real hate mm -hmm. for them and, and what they've done to our country. So how about you? Something you've read? Yeah, over the last week here. Um, well, I, I'm going to be, well, I'll save that for later. Um, but over the weekend, I binge watched a show with my wife. Um, it is called Dark Web. It's on Amazon and um, it's kind of a horror, psychological horror um, show. It's one season so far, it's eight episodes, but it's almost like Black Mirror in a way. Um, but it's, it has more, it's a plot running show. So there's a plot to it. It's not like Black Mirror where there's, you know, different episodes each time, but there's an overall plot, but there's different uh, sort of chapters in, in each, inside the plot. It's interesting. But um, again, uh, over the next week, though, um, I plan to write on my blog. Um, you can check that out at dunnlevon971.wixsite.com. I'm going to be writing about why um, or should we have been playing uh, professional sports in, the, in a pandemic. And... Um, what kind of effect on society would that have if we didn't? 
and what kind of effect does it have now uh, as a society that we did so we'll be going over that i'll be going over that uh, next week and also getting ready for next week uh, to talk about the uh, the sackler family <laughs> as i'm not too uh, well versed with them so um, i imagine that just like you will start to get pissed off at some point in the week when i'm reading about them <laughs> um so yeah and also if you guys want you know um want to send some feedback we always need that um because we're new to all this and stuff like that um so you can message us for now i don't have an email set up with the with the show or anything i don't have an instagram set up or anything like that uh, but you could message us at anchor.fm this is where it gets tricky leave on l-e-v-o-n dash d-u-n-n dash sean s-e-a-n dash soth <laughs> so that's my first and last name and then sean's first and last name um, and dashes in between the names <laughs> So a little confusing there for now, but if you just go to Anchor FM, I think you could just look look our look our page up. Um, but that's the direct link there. And yeah, like I said, you know, it'd be great to have some feedback and um, see, you know, what you guys think so far, and if there's any anything that we could do differently. Anyway, that wraps up today's show. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it and learned something. Um, I myself actually have enjoyed myself and learned something. Um, and I hope it's like that every time. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll see you guys uh, next time on Trickle Up Politics. See you now. <laughs>